Welcome to the Cutting the Gordian Knot podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about 10 tips to get you working out. I know this isn't um, entirely in line with a lot of the other episodes. We have stuff about Thomas Aquinas. We have theological topics. We have economic topics. However, we do like to branch out a little bit. After all, this is the Gordian Knot podcast. We look for tricky, tangled things which people try to unravel and are largely unsuccessful. Then we try to apply creativity to see if we can find new, novel, or maybe not that novel, novel but extraordinarily clear and concise ways to, uh, to solve these. So here are my 10 best tips. Um, I myself have wanted to work out, wanted to weight lift and run and do all those things for years, and I always failed at holding up any type of habit for maybe more than a couple weeks. Something would pop up, it messes up my schedule, and then I'm out. So I had been on and off for I don't know how long. Um, that said, for the last two years or so, I've steadily been been working out pretty much every day. Um, weightlifting, running, doing all sorts of stuff like that. So a lot of these are just from personal experience. So tip number one, embrace being a beginner. Marcus Aurelius once said something to the effect of, you can remain as you are with your dignity, or you can look like a fool and advance in skill. So give yourself permission to look like a fool. It's really not as bad as you think. In fact, it's kind of freeing not needing to impress anyone. Maybe your pride is too much of an obstacle, and you need to exercise um, by yourself for a while, and that can be a great place to start. Aristotle the philosopher of common sense, would say to bend the stick the other way, which I love how remarkably practical that is. Um, in other words, if you naturally arc towards wanting to preserve your pride, like most of us do, find opportunities to do the opposite and bend yourself towards humi- humility. Here are some short exercises that can help you not care if you look like a fool. Try asking someone a stupid question in all seriousness. In fact, guys, you can even email that stupid question to um, thegordianot101 at gmail.com and I'll answer it. Here's another one. Um, Do you have a shirt that looks ridiculous? Good. Wear it out in public. Or if you want, take one of your regular shirts, wear it inside out. Most people you will find will not notice. And the ones that do, they don't look down at you or hate you or shame you. Normally, it makes them laugh. So try to take one of these steps, or invent your own, and see if you can bend the stick the other way and become a little bit less proud and vain. You know, a scripture says something to the effect of, um, to conquer oneself is more difficult than to conquer a walled city. This is why it's tip number one. The vast majority of people who exercise have an unrealistic view of what they can do or they don't want to be seen by others running slow or taking breaks or lifting little pink weights because they can't lift the uh, the big strong ones. Um, don't worry about it. Who cares? This is Marcus Aurelius It would, would tell you you're just choosing the path of preserving your dignity and never advancing. So... You got to get your, your pride under control, or at least find a workaround. <laughs> so tip number two, change who you are, not what you do. If you are a fish, you don't need to put swim on your to-do list. If you are an active person, you don't need to put exercise on your to-do list. It's just part of life. It doesn't take willpower anymore. 
It's just what you do. Your path to working out in the long term is to make exercise move from a task to part of your identity. One of the mind-blowing things about being a human is that we can have desires about our desires. If you ever want to make a computer fail a Turing test, ask the computer about its meta-desires. That is something that's uniquely human. It's normal for your meta-desires to precede your actual desires. As such, there is nothing wrong with the fake-it-till-you-make-it mentality. You're simply tilling and weeding a little garden in your life for certain desires and habits to grow. It is fine if nothing has sprouted yet. Let's say you want to start running. Well, what does a runner wear? Go and get those clothes. And when you know it's time to go running, put them on. If you plan to run that morning, put them on first thing in the morning. Now, if you don't run, you have to change out of your running clothes. This subtly raises the cost of not running. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you will see yourself as a runner. What do runners do? That's right, they run. You can also find a running group. Read runners articles and magazines. Figure out what runners do and copy it so that your life starts to look like a runner's life. Tip numero trois. Have a specific plan. A specific plan is not work out in the morning. A specific plan looks like this. Wake up at 8 o'clock, put on my running clothes, have coffee and a light runner's breakfast. At 8.45, run to the house at Maple Avenue with the blue shutters. Afterwards, log my time, take a shower, and start my day. Let's say you are strength training. A bad plan would be, it's upper body day. A better plan would be, it's push day. Or an even better plan would be, get to the gym after work on my way home. Do 50 120-pound overhead presses, broken up into as many sets as needed. Bench press till failure three times at 85% max. Parallel dip three times till failure. Lock any new records. Head home for a protein shake. Bottom line is this. Ambiguity around a task makes us always want to avoid it. However, the more clear your plan is, the easier it will be to actually do it. And when you do, you know for certain that you have, in fact, completed that task. Tip number four. Start too small. I don't mean start small. I mean start too small. I can't even imagine how many times I decided to start exercising and after a few weeks fell off the wagon. Each time, my time horizon was too short. I had a burst of enthusiasm, then it dropped off and so did my workouts. Without the enthusiasm, the workouts that I had been doing seemed like too much or or too much of a bother, so I would put them off. Imagine if one of those times, years ago, I had paced myself, cultivated the habit, and worked out till this day. Any of my previous workout attempts would be paying dividends by now. There's an old Japanese proverb, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. The same is true of exercise. Your future self would much rather have you start small and keep it going than to have yet another burst of workouts only to give up. Here is your first week of working out. Let's say you're running. Get your running clothes on, open your front door, and come back inside. If you are weightlifting, walk over to the weights, touch them with one finger, that's it. And don't you dare do any more than this. The next week will be a two minute run. 
or maybe one set of lifting. I promise at the end of these two weeks, you will have two things that you didn't have before. First, you will have two weeks of habit building where you practice setting aside time to work out. Second, you will desperately want to start doing more exercise. For the next few weeks after this, leave the gym or the trail while you still want to do more. The goal is to train yourself to begin workouts and to create a thirst to begin the next one. Tip number five, treat yourself. Come up with something that you only do on workout days. Maybe you have a playlist of your favorite songs. Only listen to to them when you are working out. Make yourself a delicious protein shake as a reward for successfully working out according to the plan. Pavlov's dog learned to associate bells with food and salivating and salivated at the sounds of the bell. Sorry for insinuating that you were a dog. You may or may not be. I don't know who listens to this podcast. Probably nobody. Anyways, uh, needing to associate your workout with something is... uh, I don't think I even finished that paragraph. This is why you proofread, ladies and gentlemen. Tip number six. Talk to yourself. Everyone has heard a friend talk about how a run clears your head or how working out gives them a jump on their day. If you don't work out, you're probably rolling your eyes. Maybe that works for them, but not for me. It's hard to believe other people about how we would feel. That is why you need to tell yourself. Here's the plan. When you complete a workout, write yourself a brief note about how you felt before and how you felt after. Do this every time if needed. When you feel under-motivated, read the past notes. You will see in your own words that other times you felt the same way, but afterwards you felt energized and accomplished. It's a lot easier to take your own advice. I can say that this is one of my favorite tips. I started doing this because I hate running and I um, was training for a half marathon. And so often I would wake up, I'd be like, this is the last thing in the world I want to do. And then you see like five notes that say, this is the last thing in the world I want to do. And then right underneath it, so glad I ran. Hey, future Jake, don't forget to run today. You're going to feel awesome. And over time, I started to believe me. And um, now when I feel under-motivated, I have a type of confidence. I've seen again and again that, no, actually, this feels good at the end. Which brings us to tip number seven. Commit to the first two minutes. After you took tip number four to heart, which, as I recall, was start too small, we're going to move on to at least commit two minutes. So after a while, your your new habit um, starts to, to lose its sparkliness and joy, and instead you are in the drudgery of regular exercise. But remember, consistency beats intensity every time. Keep showing up and at least commit to doing the first two minutes of the workout. Now, often when you get moving in those first two minutes, you realize that, you know, it's not that bad and you keep going. Or maybe you do stop at two minutes. But remember tip number one, you're a beginner. That's okay. When motivation dries up, keep the habit going and revert to tip number four, start too small if you need to. Tip number eight, give the pain a purpose. If you are religious, and maybe if, even if you aren't, you can offer up the pain and discomfort to God in conjunction with a prayer request, and it becomes much, much more powerful. 
Alternatively, you can offer up the pain in reparation of your or even someone else's sin. If that sounds strange, that's literally what Jesus did. What this tip does is transform your pain from dumb suffering into something valuable for yourself or others. Is getting out of bed and running on a cold day difficult and uncomfortable? Yeah, it is. And that's a feature, not a bug. You will quickly find that this type of attitude infects other parts of your life. If you order a meal at a restaurant, and it's great, fantastic, enjoy, praise God. If it's terrible and, dis- and disappointing, congrats, you have been giving a tiny amount of suffering. Now put it to work. If you take this tip to heart, then life becomes a win-win scenario where life deals you good, where whether life deals you good or bad cards, you know how to play them. Tip number nine, don't have goals, have themes. A goal tells you that you aren't successful until you obtain it. However, if you are cultivating a habit of exercising, you are successful every time you stick to your plan. It doesn't matter if your results, it doesn't matter if your results, it doesn't matter. See, this is what I mean about proofreading, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, people who set goals that are too long or too ambitious become, create for themselves a recipe for disaster and disappointment. Goals also insinuate that there is an endpoint, but there is not. You are cultivating a lifestyle. Instead, pick a theme, such as cycling. Then, train like a cyclist for maybe four to eight weeks and track your progress. After that, you did it. Good job. Pick another, uh, an, another focus, like powerlifting, for five weeks. Or work on explosive sprint strength with hill sprints and boxing drills for a few weeks. Themes keep you focused on advancing in a specific area, and they allow you to mix up your routines to keep things interesting. Oftentimes, people want to get all types of exercise packed into a week program that they can repeat forever. Chill out. You have the rest of your life. Think in terms of what you want to pack into your year and not pack into your week. Guys, this is another big one for me. I would want to have cardio. I'd want to have, you know, some HIIT workout. I want to have, you know, some powerlifting, bodybuilding stuff all just packed into one week. That's not possible. Not possible. So you might have a different um, way of organizing that. I suggest, you know, four to eight weeks. That's that's usually a reasonable amount of time to kind of get in the groove of it without getting too old. Um, another great way is uh, organize it around the church calendar. I'm Catholic, and um, when it comes to Lent, I do a ton of intermittent fasting and just all of the exercises that are just grueling and difficult, long-distance cycling, um, running, uh, huge amounts of, like, kettlebell swings. Like, that's the kind of thing that I do through Lent. And, you know, you drop a lot of weight. Your body just becomes leaner and more efficient. And then you hit the Easter season and you're like, oh no, this is just straight up just feasting. So you feast, you eat a bunch of food, and then you use that time for just powerlifting, bodybuilding, things like that. Um, So so that's one way to do it because that is a regular year cycle that I'm going to remember as it comes around. Um, But your mileage may vary. Um, You might want to do a different length of time. Tip number 10. Nutrition. Obviously, eat a balanced diet, drink water, and get great rest. Regardless of the workout you are doing, you would benefit from whey protein. The studies are numerous, well-controlled, and long-term. 
you'll stay more motivated if you have more gains, and this is a super easy way to get them. If you are strength training, throw some, some creatine into your morning coffee. Again, the stuff is super well studied, incredibly effective, and dirt cheap. It's a no-brainer. Other than those two things, almost everything else is either harmful or a waste of money. Now, get out there. Okay, guys, well, I hope that um, that helps you. Try out some of these tips and let me know how successful it is. Um, as most always, we're going to hit the mailbag. We do legitimately have um, some questions here. Um, and you know what? Um, they're a bit strange. I won't name the person who sent them in, um, except for his name is Sam. Let's see, let's see. The first one... I think this is coming from Russian or at least um, some type of like maybe Slavic folklore. He says, what would you suggest that a young man do who has had his magical bird heart and flying cape stolen and also happened to fall into a garden with magical cabbages that turned him temporarily into a donkey? Hmm. I need a sip of coffee for that one. My goodness. Well, here's the thing. I don't think that this was an actual event, funny enough, um, partially because I don't think most of those things exist, except for maybe the magic cabbages. Um, I think instead it's a bit of a metaphor, how we can go from having this heart of something that can, that can fly and be ethereal, you know, that's kind of what the bird heart represents, being able to kind of soar and have freedom and all these things. And the cape represents maybe respect or um, who knows, you know, in our society, also flight. Think um, Superman. Um, and oftentimes we do feel that we go from that type of, of freedom um, to, to being confined. And I think that's what the donkey represents. All of a sudden, you have to you have to work. It's a beast of burden. It's you know pulling things. It's doing whatever donkeys do, um, and you know the magical cabbages that keep you being a donkey, and yet you're hungry, so you have to eat them. We've all been there. You know we've had jobs which we get the paycheck. It pays the bills. And we go back to work to do that, but we just feel like a beast of burden. We feel like our, our freedom is squashed. Um, so I'm, I'm going to answer this question as if um, this, is an, this is a metaphor or a parable. And I would say for people like that, you need to take tip number who knows what it was from the article I just read and say that some of that suffering of feeling like your freedom is curtailed and that you are just um, plowing along like a beast of burden – that suffering needs some type of purpose. So I would, um, in prayer, offer that in reparation for your sin, the sin of others, for an intention of prayer, for the conversion of somebody. So I would put that to work. Um, so that's my first advice. The second one is you do need to, to, to take stock of, of where your life is going. And if you feel like you are caught in a dehumanizing rut, then maybe you need to, maybe you need to get out of that. And as I recall, and I am no expert in Slavic or Russian or whatever this is, folklore, um, the donkey was hungry, so he would eat the cabbages, and then that would keep him a donkey. So there can be a period where we have to just go hungry, where we have to make a sacrifice, where we can't have immediate fulfillment, and that can be our way of exiting that kind of trap. 
So maybe that's um, maybe that's starting a business. Maybe that's uh, going back to school. And uh, sure, you're not going to have that paycheck for a bit. Um, you might have to deal with some, you know, hunger or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, that can be your pathway to to freedom. So that's my overall advice to that fictitious character, or for real characters who follow a similar pattern. The next question is from the same loyal listener, good old Sam. He says that, um, let's see, the background is he was in a um, tragic, um, a tragic lawnmower accident. So he, he drove off of a precipice, um, descended off the cliff, and smashed headlong into the earth with um, a fair amount of injury. Okay, he wants to know about parachute recommendations for lawn mowing. Um, what type, what size, um, I don't know, there might be some other questions here. Well, here's my advice. Um, you clearly aren't good with lawnmowers. I think that's, that's about as proven as it could be. And uh, your streak continues. Uh, parachutes are an awful, awful idea. If you've ever seen a parachute, you'll notice that it has cords. And cords really aren't compatible around spinning rotors of death, which are commonly affixed to the bottom of a mower. So imagine for a moment that, that you begin your descent off the cliff. You deploy your parachute. It's not going to have enough time to open, um, even if it was a fair bit of a cliff. And instead, it somehow gets sucked into the blades. Well, all of a sudden, you're going to be chopped into little bits back first like you just descended into a food processor. So this is very, very poor thinking. I, I'm sorry, Sam, but I would maybe hire a lawn service. That would be a good recommendation. And uh, you could probably get quite a few mows for the cost of a quality parachute. Um, the other advice would be, if you are still um, focused on mowing your own lawn, how about put something at the bottom of any potential cliffs so that when you do, um, plummet to your doom once again, you can at least land somewhere soft. So maybe some hay, some mattresses, pillows. Um, oh, actually, best idea yet. Uh, everybody likes a water feature. So maybe you could you could dig that area out so that you fall off and just splash. Swim some laps, cool down, you know, peacefully float in the water, kumbaya, whatever you need to do, get back in your regular headspace, Somehow extricate your mower from the from the the moat or water feature or a koi pond, whatever you choose to put there, and then you can finish the rest of your outdoor tasks after that. After being nice and cooled off, a lot of mowing happens in summer, so that seems like a good multi-purpose solution for that, and it it should keep you safe. Um, particular advice for you: um, I wouldn't even mow with shoelaces on. Now that I'm thinking about it, it sounds like you have very poor mower safety skills. So, you know, the, the parachute is out, like completely out. But I think shoelaces probably are also. So I would Velcro up. I'd definitely Velcro up whenever you mow. Um, yeah, I think that we answered that one pretty fully. Thanks for sending that into the show. We definitely appreciate all of our our listener questions. And again, we will answer absolutely anything. We... We have no filter. Um, as always, uh, thanks for listening today. 
If you liked this episode and you have friends and you enjoy sharing, I encourage you to share this with your friends. If you didn't like this episode, as always, I encourage you to share it with your enemies. Um, I'll take a click and a download wherever I can. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit all the buttons. And I'll see you for the next episode.